Welcome to the Conference on Business and Ethics podcast brought to you by the Orange Catholic Foundation. My name is Rand Sperry. I'm CEO of Sperry Equities and Sperry Commercial, uh, a national real estate company with over uh, 300 people. And I have my uh, co-host here, Randy Redwitz, a CPA and owns a CPA firm called Redwitz & Company, uh, a, a large size brokerage uh, accounting firm here in Orange County. And with us today, we have the co-founder of Wahoo's Tacos, Wing Lamb, and uh, also Eric Morley from uh, his uh, advertising agency for Wahoo's Taco uh, to talk to us today. So uh, I hope, Wing, that you're prepared and that you're not going to wing it. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'm sure you've heard that before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick it off with, uh, with our audience having an understanding of uh, Wahoo's Tacos and how you started this, because you've told the story before. It's pretty interesting. So I want to kind of get the ground up story of how old you were when you started it and formed it and how you grew it and the challenges you had growing it. And then Randy will take it away with a question after that. Well, I think back in the day, as we call it, everybody has a dream. Uh, I was in corporate America, working of all things on the space shuttle and all these uh, aerospace stuff. And it was, you know, the booming years, the Reagan years, everybody's flying around town. And I realized that maybe corporate America wasn't quite suit up, you know, for us because it wasn't that much fun, you know, nine to five. And a bunch of the kids that we grew up with were all surfing. So my brother Ed is getting ready to get out of college. We're kind of chit-chatting and I'm kind of like, hey, you know, you might not have this much fun. And we had two career options at the moment. My brother had a pretty good law firm that he did all the immigration law. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun, you know, good family business, or we can do what we really want to do, which is food. So we thought about it and, uh, you know, this is the mid eighties, you know, and we're just kind of chit-chatting and I said, hey, maybe what do we really like? And all the surfers talked about having a place to hang out after you know, surfing. And we said, why don't we do a fish taco place? You know, so it was kind of those, we literally on the back of a menu, uh, napkin, we kind of wrote down some recipes because we have to turn it into the, uh, to get a business license. And literally all joking aside, we winged it because we had no idea other than our parents' Chinese restaurant, uh, the one on Balbo Island. So we had that behind us, but we had never done our own thing. Had no idea about all the licenses, all the permits, all the things that now we're really good at. But we just kind of opened one little shop up in Costa Mesa. And my kid brother, Mingo, was still in college. And he's like, you guys go do that. I'm going to go to law school. And little by little, we started getting busy. And literally, the rest is history. We kind of kept him from going to law school. He ended up joining the business. And the three of us have been doing it ever since. You know, it's it's been a crazy, like we talked about, it, who, nobody would ever thought we'd be this big. But at the same time, also with the current situation, this is probably the first time in 32 years that we've seen something that we've never seen before. Tell us how big you are. Uh, we're at about 60 stores right now with eight of them still not open because uh, they're in the stadiums, the airports and the college campuses. Oh, great. That's a, that's a tremendous success story there. <laughs> it's, Randy, it's been before, a 
before you ask that question, are you as blown away as I am that he was in the aerospace business? No, me too. <laughs> I mean, talk about going down the wrong path. <laughs> I mean, you are where you're supposed to be, Wing, right now. I'll tell you. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I didn't know. Something I, I I've learned uh, this morning already about you. Oh, wow. Here's Go ahead, a Andy, sorry. No, <laughs> Randy. A great story though that a lot of people don't know is when I worked uh, on the last contract that I worked on. I was on the contract side of the business, right? I worked for a, a think tank back in uh, Lake Forest called Sparta Incorporated, okay. and they were national. And they put me on this contract to you know to work on real time battle management communication. So in other words, before anybody in the Air Force would launch a missile, everybody had to be on the same page. Okay. Wow. The only company in the world at the time that had the technology to communicate in real time was a company called Sun Microsystems, oh, a startup. Oh, at the time, wow. when we were doing this in 1987, they were basically a $2 million startup company. My Fast forward, that became the backbone of the internet. Wow. Yeah, that's the contract that I worked on before I left. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Doing that and then building tacos. Then building tacos. <laughs> I went from high tech to low tech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a great story. Wing, how, um, how is this COVID? I mean, it's, it's dramatic how it's impacted the restaurant business in general, but more specifically, how, how has it impacted you and your, your stores and, um, um, and you know, how, how are you dealing with it? Well, you know, the, you got to start the story is you got to have faith. This is what this is all about because sure. you don't know what you don't know, right? So when it hit, it literally, I was with a friend the day before everything got shut down. He had yeah. just flown in from New York City and we were going to a concert. And we were all meeting in LA and literally it took 35 minutes to go from Orange County to like LAX basically. Right. right? right. And we're all, we all got there early and we're all kind of like, this is fun. We get to spend some more time together. And he said, you know, kind of crazy, but I just flew in with three people on an airplane, Oh my goodness. an entire airplane. Wow. wow. And we're like, wow, maybe there's something more to, because remember we were hearing all this and yeah. then, the NBA and the NHL shut down the next day. And that's the, literally the beginning. Because up until then, we're like, yeah, things are going to be fine. It's in New York. It's in Seattle. It's in San Francisco. It's not here. Right. But right, once right. that happened, literally, you saw this freight train go off the cliff. Yeah. We went from doing 100% of business down to 15% oh, overnight. Wow. I mean, just wow. like massive. Oh, so luckily God. for us and Eric, we were all talking and saying, what do we need to do? Well, what can we control? Labor, right? So let's scale it down. Right. Because we didn't see this thing, you know, like at least then we're talking two sure. to three months. So sure. let's cut the labor down. Let's minimize that. See what stores we can keep open. So immediately, like I said, the college campuses, a bunch of the stores closed. Yeah. And then we said, okay, let's see which ones we can keep open because it was still open for takeout. So right. that's kind of like the, you know, the beginning of that. And then we kind of stabilized everything, but we weren't basically just keeping the lights on, I call it. And then about two weeks into it, Eric and I were talking, we was like, hey, there's four more stores on the bubble that if they don't get a couple more hundred dollars a week, they're going to have to shut down as well. 
because there's just all the businesses around our restaurants, they were all closed. Everybody's working right. from home. Right, so right. the lunch business just vanished. So it was like this, you know, so we were 60% lunch, 40% dinner. Our lunch business went down to 10%, oh. right? And then 5% for dinner. Oh. So, you know, 20 employees per store down to three, oh. right? So it's know. just, so we got to go back. And then Eric and I talked about going back to the roots, which means what are we really good at? Or well, the brand survived based on events. Well, there's no events going on. Everything okay. got canceled. Yeah, yeah. So the charity events, uh, sporting events, everything. Coachella, stagecoach. Yeah, sure. everything. So we started looking and said, hey, we have friends that are in the hospitals. We have friends at the fire department, the police department, the chief of police from Newport Beach, John Lewis. He got his very first mask from us because you couldn't get them anywhere. So we're like, we know who, where we can get the stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, we were the first people to get the face shields for all the nurses. Oh. I mean, because we had, you know, we have, we're very resourceful. Yeah. So besides having faith and hey, we just got to keep moving, right? And we don't know how this is going to happen. But back then we're like, we just got to get to May. Well, yeah. we're in October, right? I know. So I know. It, it, opening, closing, all this stuff is moving. And all the things that are totally out of our control. So with Eric by my side as my co-pilot, we literally started making deliveries to people in shelter in San Clemente. And that's where the joke wing dash came from because one of the houses we delivered. You gotta jump back to how that wing dash (laughs) kind of thing started in the first place because I think it has a lot to do with the whole whole journey since back then. So I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Wing. Yeah, because we started literally going to uh, people, families in San Clemente from a church. And they said, hey, we'd love for you to take care of some of our people. Yeah. And one of the homes that we went to had a DoorDash sign on the guy's car. Okay. And that's when Eric said, hey, forget about DoorDash. It's WingDash. <laughs> because we were zigzagging across San Clemente. Sure. We had about a dozen families per night that we would deliver to. So we would have an hour window to go to 10 homes, oh right? Oh my goodness. So we had this grid and Eric by my side goes, okay, we got to go next, left, right, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Boy, that is really taking it back to basics. Yeah, wow. so we, we, we just kind of say, hey, what can we do? And along the way, we asked, you know, the churches, uh, Shoreline yeah. Church in San Clemente, goes, hey, we don't need to make money here. We just can cover our costs. So right. I can keep my employees going. Sure. So that's how the ball started moving. You know, and Eric can tell you, I mean, Low Depot, Bear Paint, Subaru, North America, all these great companies said, Constellation what are you guys doing? You know, and they said, Wing is doing this with Eric and then Wendy from K-Rock, Melissa from Yogurt Land, all of our friends, we all kind of started, hey, why don't we do this together? Oh. And that's how the California Love Drop became what it became because it wasn't just Wahoos, it was a bunch of us together. You know, kind of, because think about this for a second. All my events, friends, Hint Water, Monster Energy Drink, all of them, they're all sitting at home doing nothing. Right, right. So we said, hey, we got product that maybe it's going to get, it's dated, right? Sure. We're going out. Uh, So we started not realizing how much the police officers, the graveyard shift for the hospitals, they're like, we'll take that caffeinated Monster Energy Drink. We love it. And yep. it was amazing. So when we would show up, it was literally like Christmas, you know, at the hospitals, 
the fire departments, the nursing homes. I mean, you name it, we've been to. And it's just been one of those, like, you can see the energy. Eric and I wake up and go, hey, what are we going to do this week to really top that off? That's amazing. And I think it even goes back to, you know, we, we talked about first responders, but the other first responders was the grocery outlets. Oh, yeah. The outlets working r- around the clock, just yep. trying to get product on the shelf. Right. Right. Everyone right. is buying five times the amount of product exactly. that they normally do. Yep. So we actually went over to um, Constellation Brands, which is Corona Pacifico Modelo Beer, is they, they, they went ahead and supported several of the programs where we actually yep. went to uh, Super. Yeah, out in, was it Rancho? Oh, Ontario, Ontario. Ontario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah two o'clock in the morning, delivering food for that next shift to keep them fired up. Wow. And well, so, oh, yeah. Has this created a whole new business model for you, though? <laughs> I mean, out of, I mean, it's out of tremendous yep. charitable work, but at the same time, it almost sounds to me like you could create a real another side of the business when things hopefully get back to normal. DoorDash. Uh, Are you part of DoorDash, though, in terms of ordering and getting food? Could I call and get uh, Wahoo Tacos? You can, but most of the delivery companies, they're another business of themselves, and they take such a large percentage of the bottom line. So it became more efficient for Eric and I to go out and team up with our friends mm-hmm. to say, hey, because there was barely any you know, money to cover the cost. If we, did, we shared that with DoorDash, it would have mm-hmm. just been completely right. negative. But yeah. the fact is, when the chiefs, when the nurses saw Eric and I, mm-hmm. I, I got a joke about this. At our first delivery to Chalk Hospital at 9 o'clock at night, we pull up, we're unloading. And the head nurse knew me from somewhere, you know, before. And we have the mask, the shields, the gloves, everything. And I turned around and she gives me a bear hug. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> and we were all, everybody's taken aback. Because remember, this is where you just elbowed each other, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you had to go get checked said, after that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so she said, "Hey, we're cool. We we're, we they they're getting tested, right? But they were so thankful and excited right. that we were there. And I hadn't seen her, and I can't even tell you how many years, right? So chalk became our go-to place because a lot of the kids uh, didn't have COVID, but they couldn't leave the hospital. Sure. So it's very secure." And so what we came and we, most of the time, I think maybe, except for maybe one lunch, we always came at night, right? So it was a super good time because everybody else would come during the day. So we would come well, at night. The just... night shift needs some attention too. I, I, oh, yeah. I know that. I, I worked the night shift in a hospital when I was in college. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, for the edification of the audience, uh, Wing uh, Lamb was a... Uh, uh, keynote speaker for the Business and Ethics Conference. I don't know how many years back. It's I think like, it was four years ago. Four years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, what a good pick, right? I mean, here, <laughs> look, when when you know the S hits the fan, there's Wing out there doing the right thing uh, for his customers and delivering and doing the Wing Dash, and that's very cool. <laughs> I'm going to throw you a little bit of a hardball little um, question, and the question is. What ethical challenges have you had during this process? And I'm going to give you an example because um, I, I, I'm a landlord to a lot of restaurants across the country. Uh, we have uh, 25 retail centers and a bunch of a bunch of restaurant tenants. 
how uh, how have you managed to pay the rent, or have you paid the rent, or have you worked a deal out? What have you What have you done to mitigate that issue, which is a big issue for restaurant owners besides uh, their employees? Yeah, the big thing for us is we are still about fifteen percentage points from breaking even. We're at about 65. So we're ahead of a lot of our restaurants, but we're behind, I call it the drive-ins, right? The drive-throughs. The drive-through guys yeah. are down about 10, 15%, but because they cut down the labor, they're okay. So yeah. their numbers are actually pretty decent for what they're doing. We need to get to about, you know, 80% so we can, you know, afford to pay rent. So we're working with all our landlords and trying to negotiate terms because right now, when you're only using uh, the last two weeks, actually, right? Let's just give it a month, 25% of our actual dining facility. Yeah. It's kind of hard to pay rent. And we're having to deal with all the outside, you know, stuff that we had to buy. So we've incurred all this extra expense. Uh, everything now is on takeout containers. So we've had to change our whole model from using dishwashers and all that. So anywhere where we can cut down the labor, we have to pivot to say, hey, let's do this instead because it's more cost effective. We've managed to pay every one of our other vendors because, you know, for using their food, we got to, you know, but again, it's what we're selling. So we're trying to find a, a, a happy medium with our landlords to say, hey, at best case scenario, based on what we know so far, assumptions is we'll be at 50% until next summer. Right, because we're going into the winter. I don't think the dining room is going to be any more occupied than 50%. And that's the best case scenario right now, because we can't get past this 25, right? And so with that, we're hoping that our landlords are going to hopefully defer some of it to the back end, maybe give us a little bit of a break so we can get through this thing together. Because the other side, what I'm seeing a lot of friends is they're like, hey, here's you know the keys to the building. Yeah. You can have it because... I can't afford to pay 10,000 a month or 20 or 30 when mm -hmm. I'm doing nothing, right? So that's the main thing. So, we, I mean, we're trying to work and we're open book. It's all because we're all on percentage rents anyway. So it's not like, hey, we're making a million dollars, but we can't pay you rent. Yeah. Here's the book, right? If we think we're doing better in some locations are above the 65, we'll say, Here, here's some money, right? Because we want to be fair, right? But again, we can use that little bit of extra money to offset some of the locations that are really taking it in the shorts. Because if 65 is the average, there's still some stores that are doing like 40 to 50, right? Wow. And you're going to have ones that are 75. So that's where we are. So we're hoping guys like you, you know, where, hey, can we work it out? Uh, you know, just like a mortgage, put it on the back end. But it just can't be the straight up amount because we're not doing anything right now, right? Right, right. That's the thing. I think one of the key successes of Wahoo's is ethics and the throughout the whole process is I have a lot of peers that have businesses and especially in retail businesses, they just put their head down. They didn't communicate with anyone. Wahoo's consistently communicated. They're very, very, very upfront. They spoke to the landlords. They sat down with the landlords. They said, here's where we're at. We don't together. We don't know where this is going but let's both make it through this whole thing. Yeah. And so it's a lot of, I think, you know, the reason Lucy works with Wahoos is because of their high level of ethics and their high level of consistency and communication and their high level of being a part of the community. 
um, that's that's the key to the su success right there. Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head because when I look at our tenants, the ones we're most angry at are not the ones that aren't paying or paying the rent. It's the ones that are, are hiding from us yeah. and don't want to talk to us and don't want to work things out. But yeah. um, but that's fortunately a small percentage compared yeah. to uh, all the great tenants that we have that are like just like what you said, Eric. That you know, here's where we're at. Here's what we can do, and yeah. and we all have to work together. So, I think it kind of goes man. to the point is lack of communications starts wars. Yeah. And the key thing <laughs> in each and every aspect, even, you know, you talk about ethics with employees is Wahoo's corporate was very, very, very communicative to the employees. Mm -hmm. They were very communicative to the vendors. Yep. And to really understand is we don't know what this is, where this is going to take us and where the future is, but we, we have this partnership. We have this partnership with our employees. We have this partnership with our vendors. We have this partnership with all the other businesses around too. Is, you know, I, I really find it interesting is sometimes Wahoo's couldn't do caterings. So Wing would refer it out to another restaurant in the area to do the catering for them. It's like, it just, it's a, it's a partnership. It's a communication. Yeah. It's how everyone got through this whole thing. You know, Eric, you, you, you mentioned something there about future. Mm -hmm. And I know, Wayne, you just talked about, you know, through next summer, you know, um, whether you can even get to 50% in the, in the inside restaurant dining. But yeah. what, what do you see the long-term side of this impact? I mean, maybe, maybe it's too cloudy to tell. I don't know. But um, it's, it's got to have a, a long-term effect, um, you know. And I don't know what, what you're thinking, both of you, you know, relative to your industry. I think the big thing will be is the comfort level and also the safety, right? Because mm -hmm. right now I, on a daily basis, I probably get one email a day from a customer that would say, hey, I was at such and such store and mm -hmm. I noticed that your cook wasn't having, had his mask down below his nose. Oh. And I'm like, he's not talking to you. He's talking <laughs> to the food. It's not going to affect you, right? I can't say that, but right the whole thing is the breathing right so he's in the kitchen he's at least 10 feet away from you right but the fact is that you know he's supposed to have his mask on i get that so mm -hmm. i have to remind my team right so there's this constant comfort so i think the the, the whole formula like anything else i think there's 10 percent of people that that high water whatever i'm not wearing a mask right there's a 10 percent who goes oh my god i'm not leaving the house i'm not doing anything because everything, and then there's the 80 of us in the middle, like, eh, whatever, right? I'll put it on, I'll take it off, whatever, right? So if we don't have the tens or whatever that percentage is on the either end, if we can get everybody to the middle, then I think we're going to be able to say, hey, like I flew two weeks ago uh, back east, and the safest place I have felt in the last six months, all joking aside, was at the airport. Every single person, the loudspeaker, everybody's going, hey, wear a mask, wear a mask, right? So other than taking it off to have a drink or a snack, everybody had it. And, and you hear it every day on the news, somebody got kicked off an airplane, somebody for not wearing a mask. So those people, and I don't think, as far as I know, I haven't heard of one incident of somebody getting COVID at an airport or in an airplane. So there must be something right to that whether or not you believe it or not but nobody's getting it 
right? So if we could get the people at the beaches or all these places, because hey, if you do your part, I do my part, right? And again, the doctors will tell you, don't go riding your bicycle and put your mask on. You're going to pass out, right? <laughs> but for the other, but if you're in a group, whatever, whether indoors or outdoors, I think if you kind of practice it, yeah. I think there's something about it, right? Thank but you. other than that, I've argued with people from all over. I'm like, oh, I don't like it. Oh, yes, you got to have it. And I'm like, dude, nobody's going to agree on it, right? Uh, our, our current president got it. I don't know, right? And his whole thing is not making sure nobody wore it in the cabinet and now a bunch of people have it. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to die from it, but I don't know what the long-term effects are, right? So for us, it's like, what do we do? So we just got to keep, you know, hey, our governor is, I think, closer to the conservative side. So he's like, hey, this, 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 right? Or our president's on the other side, right? So yep. we're literally yep. on two opposite ends of the argument. But the problem is we're in California, so we kind of have to go by what Newsom says. And I don't disagree with him. I don't like it, but we got to do what we got to do, right? And that's what we got. That's if I think everybody just did it, right? I think we would have gotten out of the scene back in May. That's very but true. every holiday, you, I, we live in Newport, right? You just got to come down to the beach and see what's going on. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Are you crazy, yeah. right? Wow. I think, you know, we live, right? in, we live in Dana Point and, and right? around the harbor there. My goodness, it's just it's, it's a free for all. Exactly. And uh, I think yeah. like you, the argument is, well, we all know each other. It goes, yeah, but does everybody know where everybody's been? And the answer is no. Yeah. You know? but, I have to tell you, I, I was always a, a, a math guy and, yeah. and I still am. And I have to say, and I'm just going to say on this podcast, I'm actually proud of the country, though, in general. As a result of where we are with COVID, we have, I think, a, a little over 200,000 deaths in this country. Yeah. We have 330 million people. It's point, or it's, let's just put it this way, yeah. seven hundredths of 1% yeah. Yeah. of this population has died from this. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's a success story. Unfortunately, I mean, every death matters, but it, it really is quite a success story. Um, mm-hmm. As a country, as a whole. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, by the way, I have. Go ahead. Oh, it, it's interesting you bring that up. Is and I, I kind of go back to Wing and his brothers of how forward-thinking they were in this whole thing. Is they were they were giving out masks and having their staff wear masks a month before even masks became popular. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the masks started. You know, so this was actually in, I believe, it was beginning of April. He already had the man. Oh, there so we, it is. OG <laughs> no. So we, we, got, we got one final question. Or <laughs> I had one, now I have two. Do Randy and I get one of those masks? And, yeah, there and you go. Get one to <laughs> Absolutely. Us? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and the, the final question is, is you are a family business. It's, I yes. guess, three brothers. Yeah. And um, has, how's that been right now? Has that really been a source of strength? For, for you guys to be a family going through this? Or, or yeah. you're beating each other over the head? Just <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always, as they say, you love them and you hate them, right? Like everybody else. Uh, I, I couldn't have done all this without my brothers. Mingo and Ed behind me going, hey, go figure it out, right? How to keep the lights on. So they just said, the, the marching orders, go figure it out. I did. So we kept four additional stores from closing. So through all, all this, the only, we lost two stores in LA, mostly due to the fact that 
LA is another country because they had the protests, the looting, and our stores got hit. So after all that, we're like, you know what? Maybe we can just stay in Orange County. So we're down to one store in LA and one in San Diego because again, all the stuff happened, right? That we, we're out of our control. So without my brothers, I mean, really the backbone of our uh, you know, company is having guys make sure that like Eric says, the communication and make sure that everybody has supplies, you know, because you'd be amazed how quickly takeout containers vanished because yeah. everybody went from doing regular plates oh, yeah. to takeout. Yeah. So uh, we had a huge shortage on that, shortage on tortillas, shortage on the proteins, because all of a sudden there was, you know, everything was going to the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. So for a while there, it came close to not getting chicken, steak, all these, uh, you know, things. So again, not only am I busy trying to keep the lights on, we got to keep it supplied and make sure that our employees are safe, all the stuff. So it's a constant, like making sure that everybody's on the same page and knock on wood. Uh, I think we've had friends of our employees get sick. Uh, none of us have gotten sick. Uh, everybody's quarantined if they thought they were exposed. No. You know, our office has been open the entire time. Everybody wears a mask here. Everybody checks their temperature. So we do all the protocols because we want to make sure that we can support the stores. Right. So it's a lot of that. And I've heard, even Eric, a lot of people are working remotely. You know, so it's uh, a restaurant. Luckily, you know, I mean, good and bad. Somebody's got to be there to make the tacos, right? So I wish they could work remotely, but they got to be there. Well, this has been awesome. Um, you know, the, the new business term is how are you pivoting during this uh, yeah. most unusual time of all of our lives? I mean, this yeah. has never happened. Uh, you know, there's there's no map. We're yeah. we're we're Lewis and Clark. Uh, on this adventure, I guess. So thank you. Thank you, Eric, for also being yep. on and, and Wing Lamb, co-founder of Wahoo's Taco. We appreciate you on this podcast today. Yeah. Have a great week. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Wayne. All right. See you. All right. Take good care.